Welcome to SEC Football Live here from 440 Sports and that SEC podcast, of course. Please head on over to the 440 Sports YouTube page for previews of all SEC games. Oh, there we go. Switching sides on me. Um, I'm not ready for the pre-snap motion, Mike. I was not ready for that. I do appreciate it. Uh, Michael Bratton, Braden Gall here. Jump into the comments. we got a lot of stuff to talk, uh, talk to you guys about today on the show. Mike, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Feels dark in here, but I'm doing well. Maybe it's just the Tennessee-Alabama game. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, I've got, some, I got a few, uh, I got a few uh, spicy takes for you on the Alabama-Tennessee game. And, you called uh, them something different a minute ago. Um, I well, I just I I have a theory now about Alabama, and I have a theory about Tennessee. I think both of which will piss off Tennessee fans, even though it's kind of a positive for Tennessee. So it, just just bear with me. Is today your birthday, Michael? It is, yes, sir. Yes, Happy it is. Happy birthday, Michael Bratton. Thank you. I still you know, showed up. Don't look a day over 27. I do appreciate you coming and hanging out with us here. All right, so Georgia and Florida, the cocktail party. We'll get to that. Tennessee and Kentucky, we've got a game there. Ole Miss survives. What does it mean on the road against Auburn? They'll host Vanderbilt this weekend. South Carolina, Texas A&M. It's a game that's going to happen in the SEC, I guess. Uh, we've got one of the ugliest football games that's happened uh, in 10 years, 12 years in, in the conference. We'll discuss that. Missouri. I have a I have another question about Missouri to ask. So M I Z to all you great Mizzou fans out there. I know there's a lot of you guys. So uh, I guess I'll just get started with we'll get started with the Tennessee stuff first because I actually think there's a lot of positive to be taken from what I watched against Alabama on Saturday. And I, I, number one, first and foremost, and this is to you. I don't know if you've done this, Michael. I have not checked your timeline on the on Elon Sewer. I have not checked it. You're better off not checking it. I have. I was listening to your show, and I didn't hear. I heard you mention it briefly that you thought maybe Tennessee people might be a bit frustrated with the refs. I think you're all a bunch of fucking pussies. Look, I haven't ref, really mentioned it because I don't. No, no, you didn't. I, I don't care. The refs had nothing to do with that loss, and here's why it's positive. What I think I saw against Alabama, I think I saw a team that's a quarterback away. I think I saw a team that made a couple coaching mistakes. They went for it on fourth down. Maybe we could disagree with some of those decisions. Uh, you know, maybe you should cover somebody, you know, on the second play of the second half. I, I think there were some mistakes that were made, but I saw a program that is a quarterback away from competing at the highest level in the SEC. I saw a program with pieces in the right place. They need some more receivers. They need some more secondary players. They need a little bit more depth. But I saw a coach that was – Sure, he made some questionable decisions, but I saw a coach that was okay with the moment. I saw a team that was okay with the moment, and I saw a team that was one big-time quarterback away from competing at the highest level. And we can get to how the second half played out, and we can get to Alabama, and we can get to Joe Milton. There's a lot of things to talk about. The refs had nothing to do with the game. They had nothing to do with it. You don't lose. You don't go on a 27 to nothing run and give up 27 straight points and get your ass kicked because of the refs. Complaining about the refs is some lazy shit. I don't want to hear it. It is about the other team, the coaches, and the players. You got outcoached. You got outplayed. But I saw a team that was up to the challenge, and that, to me, is my big takeaway and how I spin that game positively for Tennessee. I'm sorry. Did I wake up and it's the Bush Jones era again? I mean, what we're sitting here saying? Oh, we well, we gave him a shot. We you know we gave him a good half. No, no. This is this is a Tennessee that won 11 games and won the Orange Bowl that. You know, some people, not not many, but some people thought maybe they could win the East. Some people even thought Joe Milton would be like a Heisman candidate or something crazy like that. Why and do you we're keep telling here, jokes on the show? <laughs> we're sitting here saying, oh, well, they, yeah, they tried. You know, they looked competitive for a half of football against, against a, a team that I think is in decaying of a dynasty here that mm -hmm. I don't think is, has a legitimate shot to win anything of significance. And I'm talking about Alabama now. No, no, there's no... There's no pat on the back. You tried hard. You you lost. Not, you got dominated in the second half. There's nothing. Okay. They they, they made. I think there's a good chance they lose to Kentucky. The season's over. No. There's there's nothing positive about getting your ass kicked in a rivalry game in the second half. No. Now, if it was like a three point game and there was a controversial call, maybe I'm there with the people saying the refs and all this. But no, they got their ass smoked, and the season is a loss away from going up. The, the only you know, if they lose to Georgia, even though it is at home, 
and you win the rest, I still think it's a good season. But if you lose to Kentucky, Mizzou fans don't want to hear this, but if you lose to Mizzou, hell, and you you are definitely going to lose to Georgia. So, I mean, like, 8-4, and 8-4 and four is not a good year. It Never mm. again under Josh Heupel should 8-4 and four be celebrated at Tennessee, I, I, and, and that I'm not celebrating that doesn't, you're, you're celebrating that's not what I'm doing. You're, no, it's not. They looked good. They looked good. No, for I'm, a no, half. I'm telling you the facts. This is the problem with you. You can't acknowledge the facts. I don't give a shit about where the team finishes at the end of the year. Nine and three, eight and four is irrelevant to where the program is supposed to be in the future. Where the program is supposed to be in the future is competing at the highest possible level for national championships. And if I want the team to compete for national championships, I need to see them do that year in and year out against the best. And what I saw on Saturday was a team that, yes, they failed in the biggest moment. You know who else fails most times in college football? All of the teams except for one. All of them. They Every single team finishes with two, three, four losses except for one or two. So I don't, I just don't, I, I have context and perspective. I, I don't need, like I'm, my job is to analyze what I saw. And if they had an elite big-time quarterback, they probably win that game. If they have an elite big-time quarterback, I think they probably compete with Georgia this year. If they have an elite big-time quarterback and another year of recruiting, Tennessee can win the SEC. And that is what matters if I am judging Josh Heupel big picture. If you want to yell and scream about going forward on fourth down, I'm not going to argue with you. You can, you can debate. He got totally outcoached. They got their ass kicked. I completely agree in the second half. The refs had nothing to do with it. So if any one of you in the comments says it's about the refs, I don't care. Had nothing to do with it. 50-50 calls are a part of the game. It is it is what it is. He, referees make mistakes. They, they miss a, a holding call here. Maybe that one was a little ticky-tack there. You didn't lose the game because of the refs, so stop wasting your energy on it. Focus on what matters, which is that Alabama was better. They were the better team, the better coach, the better players in the second half. Some say but, they have a big-time quarterback on the roster. And, and, and that's my point. <laughs> that might be the guy we don't know. We don't know right now, but my my takeaway was I was impressed with how Joe Milton played one of the best halves of football his entire career. I don't think you can ask him to do more than that. They are limited. This is the whole Billy Napier, Florida thing. They have a ceiling, dude. They were not supposed to win the East. No one picked them. Like if you were drunk, you picked them to win the East. If you were drunk, you picked them to win 11 games. If you were drunk and didn't know anything about football, that's what you picked. This was a this was a nine and three ish type of football team from the beginning. They've looked that way the entire year. But I saw a program that was prepared for the moment. And I like, I think if I'm a Tennessee fan, I am holding on to that because that tells me that they have a chance to be better next year. And that's what matters to me. Have you seen the stat? Um they're they're throwing it in the comments. Tennessee one and four on the road since being number one. But I don't. I'm mean, sure. I don't know how. Rel- I don't know what that means. But sure. Well, okay. to me, that's just a silly ass stat. That <laughs> right, know, right. People, pe- you know, because they they played at Georgia, they played at Bama. Yeah, it's hard. They, they completely uh, omit the Orange Bowl, which is that's not a home game. But uh, yeah, South Carolina was a bad loss. I would I would argue at Florida was a bad loss, but I would say ninety five percent of teams in the country. If they had to play at Georgia, at Alabama, at South Carolina, and at Florida, you're you're probably not doing better than than one and four. Am right. I wrong? No, I don't disagree with that. Again, that is called, as we say in the business, context and nuance. And again, I, I wanted to see from Tennessee this year. I wanted to see a program develop off of last year. That's what I wanted to see. And if you're a Tennessee fan and you thought, hey, we're going to win the East and we're going to beat Bama again, like that's fine. That, that's, that's your prerogative to think that way. That is not the way any rational human being analyzed the Tennessee Volunteers coming into the season. And what I'm seeing is, and, and somebody said it in the comments, I thought Tennessee was the better team on Saturday. Well, they weren't the better team. They were the better team in the first half. They were very prepared. They had a good game plan. Like, I, I just don't need that. I didn't need them to win that game for me to buy into Josh Heupel more and building the program more. Now, you go lose to Kentucky, you go lose to Missouri and Georgia, and you finish with five losses, then we're going to have a different conversation. You can't lose to the back, the quote-unquote teams that are quote-unquote beneath you in the standings. Like, you can't lose to those teams. Yeah. And they already have one of those. That's Florida. So Now, now that, that gentleman in the comments says Florida's been better on the road. How, how soon I, we forget losses to Vanderbilt. Billy, Billy Napier. <laughs> you got Kentucky, Billy Utah. Napier's 
He did beat he beat South Carolina by two points. Credit him. Yeah, sure. Um. In, anyway, I just think it's okay to step back from the 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 immediate reaction to like, man, we shouldn't have gone for it on fourth down, or we got out coached, or why the fuck can't our secondary cover anybody at any point during the season, or the line of scrimmage got beat, or you know whatever. Look, that's all true stuff. None of that's wrong, but you can also step back from it and say, look, Bama is probably gonna. They're either going to win the West or they're going to finish in second. They're they're a pretty darn good football team, and what, losing what, on the road to Bama is to what your is point. The, what is the point I though? I don't good. understand what you're saying. You're just saying there's silver linings or so. Like who cares? They lost a game, a game that was winnable, a okay. game, a game that they. Again, I didn't. Pay, I picked them to lose by two touchdowns. That's exactly what happened. But yeah. I didn't think they'd be up twenty. Rev- seven and a half and and it could liquid flames sorry but mike i didn't mean to sorry liquid flames the refs had nothing to do with it sorry continue i just i just don't i mean they, they to me they let one they choked they choked their ass off that's how i look at it so i don't okay. i don't know i don't think there's any silver line joe milton I, i'm not played, saying it's good he played his best game i'm not i'm not, I'm saying not blaming the game joe milton either yeah i'm not saying the game was good i'm not saying is it not is it not possible to take a long term and a short term view? Sorry, liquid. Is it not is it not possible to do? Can you not do two things at one time? Are you not capable of chewing gum and walking at the same time? I don't think so because I think the perfect example and, and none of these are fair because everything every situation is unique. But I did read an article. Matt Hayes. I'm a big fan of Matt Hayes. He wrote an article this week. It wasn't that long ago. Sam Pittman was the Arkansas man. Shane Beamer was the Gamecock man. And fair or not, I, w- I would say 75%, and maybe I'm overreacting, but 75% of, of each fan base probably wants that guy fired because they're, they're so bad right now. And I, I get what you're saying, but w- what happens if Tennessee loses, again, like I said, I don't think this is wildly unrealistic. Let's say they lose to Kentucky, Missouri, and, and Georgia. And then next year. That's five losses. That's a problem. But but right. let's have that's, that conversation. But that's then, not but that's not what happened this weekend. They lost to Bama, and then the, and then you so. drop one you shouldn't early next year, and then all of a sudden there's like Jesus is is hypo. That was a that was a just yeah. a one year gimmick. You no know question. what I mean? Like so no not no because because it can snowball. It can get away from you quick as hell. So but the, and guess no. and guess who and guess if he is worth a shit that won't happen to Josh Heupel. Like that's it. That's the end of the, the like. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I agree with you. If they lose to Kentucky and then Missouri and Georgia and they finish with five losses, there are more questions than answers about the program. But it's not because they got out coached in the second half against the greatest coach of all time on the road when Jalen Milrow is clearly significantly ten times the quarterback that Tennessee is has. It's just like I saw a program that was prepared, ready, and almost on par with Alabama after beating them last year. And I saw a program that is a big-time quarterback away and a little bit of depth away from maybe being able to win the conference. If Josh Heupel is that guy and all that and all that stuff I just said is true, then they're not going to lose to Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia. And if there are questions about Josh Heupel, big picture, long term, which no one was asking this summer, which I don't I don't think you should ask right now, more information has to come to light, man, if you're going to start asking those questions. They have to lose a bunch more games. And so you don't you don't just get to say, like, right now I think Josh Heupel sucks because he's going to lose games. Well, no, you don't know that. I'm just going on what I saw this weekend, which is I saw I see a program and and based on last year and the year before, I'm seeing a program recruit well. I'm seeing a program develop depth. I they had a historically epic greatest quarterback in the history of the, the program last year, and it resulted in a couple of extra wins. Now they've got a guy who's average. He's fine. And he played a really good game because he was really well prepared and the game plan was sound. And they came out and they missed a few opportunities against a team that's better than them. You know, one thing I've, I've, and I've, I don't like to bash these, these college players. I don't, I don't care that they're making money. So I, I'm not going to, don't take this as me bashing the player, but sure. the biggest issue, and I'll, and I'll probably hold this against Heupel his entire career. I don't, I don't care what he does. He's, he started Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker and credit you. I mean, I don't, I don't think this was realistic at all, but you were the one that said, well, hell, they what they should do if they were smart. Hendon Hooker's going off the NFL, whatever it costs, get Sam Hartman. You said that. You said if this, if this Tennessee team had it's Sam true. Hartman, they're they're going to be money. And 
of course, I, I think he had a deal worked out with Notre Dame. I don't, I, I don't think I was realistic by any measure, but to your point, that guy's playing out of his mind. Right. Um, I, I don't know. He's got a blind spot for, for Joe Milton. And, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, M-I-Z SEC. We will talk about Missouri because they deserve a lot of conversation. And it's not arguing for arguing's sake. I actually genuinely thought that, like, I genuinely walked away from that game with one perspective, and Mike walked away from that game with a different perspective. And that's okay. I, I We can disagree about it. That, that's totally fine. Uh, I, I just, again, I, I've got an opinion about Alabama coming up in a second that I don't think is going to be very popular either. But it's just how I feel. And I'm not going to ever do a show with you or anyone else where I don't tell you what I actually think. I don't make shit up. I don't fabricate stuff. It's not what I do. It's not my style. I've been doing this for 20 years. Not going to happen. Yep. That's me. Don't blame the refs. <laughs> don't blame the refs. You soft, lazy, just completely worthless fans. Don't blame the refs. It's stupid. Uh, do you want to move on to my next take or do we like I'm either on one next? I'm on to the next season already okay. with Tennessee. All right, great. Cool. Um, let's <laughs> let's let, there's a lot of really great football games left. So don't miss those. Um, now they beat Georgia. Crown them. Crown them. You know, crown them. Yeah. Um, and I'm wrong. All Ken, I'm wrong all the time. Ken hangs out all the time. So I'm, I'm that's just ask my wife. I'm wrong constantly. Um, here's the thing about Alabama. I, I can't believe that this is how I feel about them. But they are extremely likable for the first time in 20 years. This is a likable football team. And if you're a fan of Tennessee or LSU or Auburn, I get it. You're not going to agree with me. And I'm not asking you to. But I'm capable of being objective. They are. Nick Saban is nicer and kinder and funnier and sillier and giving like answers with actual honesty all season long since the summer. You've been pointing that out. Jalen Milrow is a genuinely good dude. He's a good kid. And he is fun to watch play. They are a flawed football team that likes to make a bunch of mistakes in the first half and then come back and find ways to win. And I think if they play Georgia in the SEC championship game, the country for the first time in 20 years will be rooting for Alabama, not against them. I think Alabama is actually likable this year. And that is one of the hardest things, uh, one of the weirdest emotions I've ever felt watching SEC football. Yeah. I mean, how could you not root for a roster with, I didn't say root. I didn't, I didn't say stars. Root. And, I didn't say I mean, root. They're That's they're different. just they're scrappy. There's there's the most talented scrappy team in the country, but with, with no a horribly unlikable Tommy Reese, Kevin Steele. I mean they, they were they're fired their defensive coordinator two weeks into the season. You know what I mean? This this is not a likable bunch. This is not no no. There's nothing like they're they're. They are winning. I'll give them that. They they seem to be getting better. They got a great defense and, and special teams. I get it, but no, I can't. I don't know. I don't know. You're 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 out there today, man. I don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on over there. Alabama traditionally is boring. They they beat the shit out of people. They they don't play exciting, interesting games. They they don't like the the personalities. Saban is a, a grumpy, angry, you know old curmudgeon that people like to hate. Like they're, they're, None of that is true about this team. They are far more... This is the most interesting Alabama team that I've watched in 15 years. That's just a fact. They are more interesting because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what they're going to do. The quarterback is very interesting to me. I think he's a very interesting personality type. He has a very interesting skill set. I think Tommy Reese needs to figure out how to design some quarterback run plays if they want to beat LSU next weekend. But Nick Saban is all he's all chummy with the fans and grabbing cigars and he's given great answers to the he's given, you know, old slappy guy on the radio show, you know, credit for the, the the point he's making about the offensive line. Like he's a totally different guy this year. You said that all summer. You said it all season. He's behaving differently and the team is behaving differently than they've ever behaved before. And if they play Georgia, tell me who the country's rooting for in the SEC championship game. Tell me who's. Who's America rooting for? Not not diehard SEC fans, not diehard Auburn fans and Tennessee fans and LSU fans who hate Alabama every second of every day. I'm not. I, I understand you guys. Alabama, Georgia, each of them have one loss. They're playing for the right to make the playoff in the SEC championship game. Who is America rooting for? They are not rooting for Georgia. Mm. <laughs> why not? I, I, why why wouldn't they? I I think people like the. You know, no, because all the bullshit feet. off the field. No, they're the two t people get tired of the champion. 
all the car stuff, all the arrests, the lawsuits. People are not rooting for Georgia. They got all those issues in Alabama. Yeah. They just they just pay the uh, police off. Remember, that's what yeah, Jeremy Georgia, Pruitt said. Georgia's police aren't being paid off either. <laughs> Don't get into that stuff. I'm just saying the the, the casual observer from around the country mm-hmm. is is seeing something more interesting from Alabama than ever before. And I I find Jalen Moto to be very likable. I get, you, maybe, can't, you can't tell me what to like or not like. Maybe so. uh, maybe I maybe I pick up what you're picking up, what you're throwing down here, because this is Saban's last year. So maybe they yeah, will. See, there you go. Maybe, He's they'll, retiring. Maybe they'll root for him to to uh, you know make it to the championship and just you know get obliterated in his final showdown. I I can see you there. Yeah, I I would root for that. Maybe there if you, you could lose like sixty nine to zero in the national championship yeah. game. Yeah. Um. Look. Look. I, I can put my fandom aside and be like, Jalen Milrow is a, a good kid and I want to see him do well. And I think he's interesting. And I think his skill set's interesting. And I like watching him play. He's, he's the number two most efficient quarterback in America in yards per attempt. I mean, he's, he's an interesting guy. He makes big plays in the second half. He's getting sacked every week. He's got no help from his offensive line. Like it's just an interesting team. They're way more interesting than any other normal Bama team, which just is like barely even worth watching. Bama's normally not even worth watching. They're so they're like, it's boring, and this is not a boring Alabama team. So that's all. That's my theory, and you don't ha- you don't have to agree, and none of you in the comments have to agree either. But I'm the one with the microphone, so I don't think anyone agrees. That's that <laughs> that's is fine. correct. That's fine. Uh, so there you go. Uh, I, otherwise, the only question I have about Alabama because uh, I'll go back to it. It's the design quarterback run is the only thing that they've 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 got to add that to the game. Tommy Reese, anybody, somebody, uh, somebody in the facility. To tell like put the design quarterback run in place, and once you have that, the offense actually could be pretty good, and they can beat LSU, and maybe they can hang with Georgia. I don't know. I we'll see this weekend against Florida for Georgia, but um, I th- that's the only thing I really have to say about the team. So um, interesting and likable. That's fair, Matt. That's fine. If you don't think those are the same, that's fair. I I I like things that are interesting though. For, so for to me, covering the game, that is the same thing. Like. Nick, Nick Saban has been a far more likable character this year than he's ever been before. They have a more likable quarterback than they've had. I mean, frankly, Bryce Young and Tua. I like Jalen Hurts. He was very likable. Jalen Hurts is very likable. I agree. And I, I guess, guess what this team reminds me of? 2017 Bama. We've said that for months now. This is a 2017 Bama reincarnated, and they're trying to win the same way. Maybe it works against LSU. Maybe it doesn't. Was that, was that the one that? Got Deshaun in, in the rematch? No, that would be... They lost to Deshaun in the rematch in 16. They beat Deshaun in the first one in 15. It was mm. the Jalen Hurts true freshman year where they played bully ball and they leaned on folks. They did not win the division. Uh, and then they beat Georgia with Tua in the second half in the championship game. And that... But Jalen Hurts was... An, you're absolutely right. Jalen Hurts was an extremely likable person as a character in this story that we call college football. And Jalen Milrow and Saban are way like Bryce Young douchey I don't know man really Tua Tua douchey I don't know uh, that that seems a bridge too far for me I don't know AJ McCarron douchey <laughs> AJ McCarron I, I, I got to beat him the other day and I was like I, I was as, as nice as I could be in college <laughs> in college he was douchey. oh okay I, I've actually I've, I've actually this was like a week ago, <laughs> I've actually done some. Well, I've done some work with him too on the air, so I'm like, he's a nice guy now. But like in college, the character of AJ McCarron as the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide, there was like a small douche factor there, like a little bit of douche. I don't think, I don't think Tua and Bryce have that. Certainly, Jalen Hurts did not. Um, so there you go. Okay. Anyway, I know, I knew you, I knew I would get both those topics would get you fired up because you're all pissed off about Tennessee. But actually, I saw some signs of a program that is building. <laughs> And that's what matters to me. So. <laughs> Why don't talk about Michael that way, Jeff? Don't talk about Michael uh, that way. That's funny. Look, I just present. I just present the takes, man. These are just my opinions, just my takeaways. Um, okay. Uh, do you want to talk? Let's talk Missouri because they deserve some some real coverage here. Yeah. I, I'm not sure there's a team now. I don't know if this means they're good enough to beat Georgia because I don't think I don't think that yet. But the thing that I keep seeing when I watch Missouri is that they can, they don't have a single major glaring weakness. They can beat you a lot of different ways. I, I'm not sure like they are one of the most complete teams in the country. 
I don't know if it means they're good enough to beat Georgia, but they are. There is no weakness on that football team. Yeah, two weeks to prepare. Georgia coming off of it's going to be a physical game against Florida. There's a lot to like about it. I mean, cousin Shane, he can't nail a lock to save his life, but he he called it. I mean, hell, he said eleven wins at first for Mizzou, and and everybody thought he was damn crazy as hell. But he might I mean, he be still might be crazy. Well. <laughs> <laughs> he might be the world's smartest man for all I know. You know what it? So, yeah, I, I can't believe it. Uh, I mean, coach of the year. If hell, even if they go ten and two, I think you got to give Drink coach of the year. Brady Cook. I don't even know if they give out most improved player, but he's got to be there. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the def uh, that was the best defense they played too last week. Of course. South what? Carolina is awful, but they're 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 hitting their stride at the at the perfect time, right? As the as the schedule ramps up, I I do agree with that. They've played weird games with Florida. They have not played well against Tennessee, so they'll get both of those with opportunities to win. I I again, I don't. This is the same thing I'm just saying with Tennessee. Like Missouri is building, and if Missouri goes and loses to Georgia, it is not an indictment of Eli Drinkwitz or Brady Cook or Missouri. They are not supposed to win that football game. But they have a chance. They've already hit the over. Right. So they have a chance. <laughs> and and it is about building a program. And I know that fans don't function that way inside the season. They, they are week to week, day to day, Saturday to Saturday. But And I understand that. But when I look at Missouri and I see them going 10 and 2 or even 9 and 3, let's say they lose to Tennessee and Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's still an extraordinary season with major questions that got answered. And I this is a thing that I think I'm coming around on this year more than anything else. You have to finish the season with answers to questions. And sometimes that's about personnel. Sometimes that's about players. Sometimes that's about coaches. Sometimes that's about your staff. You think Sam Pittman has an answer now about his offensive coordinator? Like, yep. at least he, at least he's got an answer. <laughs> he didn't know at the beginning of the year this is what was going to happen. And now he's got an answer. And I, I Kirby Moore has clearly answered the question. The defensive staff now, Coach Baker's done an excellent job two years in a row. I, like, they have answers at Missouri now, and they can now build from that moving forward, whatever happens the rest of the season. And I think they're about to land another five-star. So, yeah, the future is very bright. They can keep this thing rolling, and, you know, they're going to have to keep drink. You know, it's it's wild how a couple months ago, a lot of people wanted his ass fired. Now it's going to shift to, can we keep him? Because... Hmm. He is. He has tried to leave there before, and uh, I don't know if, if he will again. But I don't know. That, that that's the, in- I, I will say this, and I think you know this: the Eli Drinkwitz relationship with the people in charge at Missouri. That's an interesting one. That's mm-hmm. just a, that's just a fascinating thing to keep an eye on. For a lot, like like you said, the the, the, the dynamics are changing, and if he starts getting calls from folks. Uh, that's an interesting, I, I would say, Eli, dude, you're building something good. You might want to just endear yourself to the crowd and stick it out. Stay committed. Maybe go through proper channels to get contract extensions, whatever, whatever. whatever. Right. And <laughs> you know, who knows? I mean, they, they have literally changed the laws down there to help him. You, you're not going to get that in, in a, at some other places too. I mean, they're, they're bending over backwards to help him. And facilities, as Shane Beamer will let you know, their their facilities are under much needed upgrading. <laughs> and uh, what a what a dick dick comment that was after another loss. But uh, I, I'll take Shane Beamer and along with these 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 like uh, these good guy, good old boy coaches this weekend. Not a good weekend for them. Josh Heupel, Sam Pittman, Shane Beamer. Not a good weekend for them. Yeah, but I'm starting to hear it from. Around the SEC, I mean, Shane Beamer's act's wearing thin. And again, I don't, I don't know that that That's really matters. Too early. That's too early for that, don't you think? No, no, literally, people are reaching out to me. People of importance saying, "What in the hell is this guy? Why does he keep doing this? Why, why does he, you know, why is it right after a loss he's he's making these comments?" I, um, I, I think, I think you should it's, look. He, it's I think not he should watch. Him. He should it's, watch what Sam Pittman does. Like it, it, the problem with what Sam Pittman's doing, and we can talk about this firing Danny knows the problem with Sam Pittman is that he's, he's sort of like, like, I love that. He's honest. I love that. He's just a guy. I love that. He says the thing that everyone knows that everyone's thinking, 
but that can get you in trouble sometimes. And that's not fair to Sam Pittman. You know, like the media will pick up on something he says. Like I listened to that press conference and I was like, whoa, dude, you're folk way too focused on like getting fired here. Like that, you shouldn't be talking about that stuff. But then I, at the same time, I want him to be honest and I want him to be himself. And so I don't want to knock him for the thing that I appreciate for, about him. Whereas with Shane Beamer, like I appreciate it, what he does. I think it's funny. I think it's interesting, but like you can't, can't blame players for stuff. You got to take ownership of stuff. And if you're going to talk shit when you win, that's great. I think you deserve the right to do that, but you got to take, you got to take it a little bit on the chin when you lose. I don't mind uh, Pittman talking about getting fired because that, that's what people are talking about. I, I think it's stupid when these guys pretend, you know, the AD's got my bike. I just talked to, I mean, Will Muschamp's, he's done that 20 times, you know? No, uh, yeah, well, I just got done with old uh, Tanner. Tanner says, I'm good. You know, and then a week later, his ass fired. You know, it, it, it's it's stupid. So, uh, no, I mean, I I didn't like the fact, but I, again, he's being honest. He said he didn't, he didn't know what, he, what to do and that. Yeah. That 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 kills him. But if you listen to what he said, uh, I don't know if you've heard the latest one after he fired Danny. You know, so, so you know a lot of revealing comments about yeah. them practicing certain things and not being run for whatever reason, and, and we can't have twenty five dropbacks with this offensive line. I mean, I I don't know. I, I appreciate the fact that he that he speaks to that level. No, no, I do. I do too. And, and what I'm saying is that sometimes that's going to hurt him, right? Like I, I'm not, you and I won't hurt him for that. Like we're not going to knock Sam Pittman for saying the truth, but there are people that will in the press. There, there are fans that will like, it just kind of comes with the territory. You're damned if you do damned, if you don't, right? Like if you are, we beg you for a quote, we beg you for something of, of honesty. We beg you for a moment of real human emotion. And then you give it to us and we're like, Oh, why the fuck did you say that? So like it, it's not a, it's, it's a tough spot. But what you can't do is what Shane Beamer's doing, which is point fingers, blame people, make it about other things when you just need to. All you got to do is just co- go to the podium and say, look, I got to do better. All you got to do is say it's my fault and I got to do better. And that's all you got to do. And then and, and I think right now better. we're seeing, you know, there was a movement to hire like the CEO co- coach, which there's there's pros and cons to every hire. But obviously, I mean, it, it kind of was already known, but it goes without saying these CEO coaches, when they hire the wrong coordinators, the whole thing doesn't work. You know what I mean? So no, I agree with you. I think Shane Beamer and South Carolina have, have, have put away some equity in the bank though. The last two years, I would hope they overachieved two years in a row, gave their fans something more than either any of any fan base expected from them. Each of the last two seasons. I think that's equity. You should have some equity, I had this team finishing sixth in the conference in the division ahead of only Vanderbilt. That's where they're going to finish. So they're kind of right where I expected. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you've got equity and I don't think that people should be turning on him this fast. If you're, if people are seeing things behind the scenes, that is different than just some like silly, stupid comments to the press. I mean, you know, trashing the Missouri thing is what it is like doing the sunglasses thing is what it is. Like, I don't, that kind of stuff doesn't really matter. If he's still doing the job behind the scenes, then then you know I think he's earned plenty of time. I don't think there's any rush to run him out of town. I will say this about your CEO thing. I don't think it's CEO as much as it is like like Josh Heupel sort of just like feels like your dad sometimes. Like he just talks like a dad. He's just a regular guy. I mean that in a very complimentary way. Sam Pittman, what do we like about him? He's just a guy. He's just honest. He's just himself. Shane Beamer, we may not like that guy, but he is just himself, right? He's just honest. He's just himself. Mark Stoops is that way. He's just kind of a guy, just himself, just says the thing. You know, he's not a, a robot like Kirby and Jimbo and, and Nick Saban. I'm curious because those all, all of those guys had a bad weekend. I'm curious if the just hire a ball coach who cares about his people, like that was a bad, that that group took, took it on the chin this past weekend. And so... I, I want Sam Pittman to do well, but there there's not a lot of signs of progress with that team. Offensive line's worse. Receiving core is worse. Defense. <laughs> defense, defense and special teams are de- pretty defense solid. Is, defense is better, and that's because Sam Pittman hired a pretty good coach. Like, right? Like we we right. like that hire. So mm-hmm. I I'm not ready to throw I don't I think it's too early for hot seat talk with Beamer, but I think I think Sam Pittman needs to win some games down the stretch. Oh yeah. No, for sure. I just think I just I just know I know for a fact this is not me speculating that that Beamer's act is wearing thin and again I'm not I'm not saying Ray Tanner's feeling that way but just 
his peers around the, the conference. <laughs> well, around the conference is different than inside the facility. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, get the fact that he's got this crazy Rolodex, I, or at least I would assume, right? Growing up. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, being Frank's son and, and working for Kirby and, and Philip Fulmer and uh, Lincoln Riley. And then he turns around and he hires his best friend to be his offensive coordinator. And then he has to fire, the, you know, that guy was awful. Uh, and then he hired Dow Loggins, who never called a play in college, and it was awful in the NFL. And then he hired Clayton White. I mean, this is not the hires of a guy that has this amazing Rolodex. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here, but I uh, apparently people to, people are not eager to, to work for him is, is how I read that. Well, if in fact that's true and people aren't eager to work for him, that's that's something that he should be evaluating in himself. Why do people not want to work with me? Like that's an important thing to to ask yourself. If you're because coach, if you lose a game, he's going to throw you under the damn bus. I I don't think the behavior has made much sense. I think the team is sort of right where I expect. I don't think there's any surprises. Spencer Rattler, if anything, Spencer Rattler's been better than I expected. Um, but the offensive and defensive lines are huge questions. They hired a coordinator who's an NFL guy. Uh, they they scored some they scored a bunch of points and they can't bust a grape. I, I don't I mean they kind of are where they're supposed they play a really really hard schedule. I mean that schedule's really hard. I mean they they could win two more games and you know four and eight is not out of the question. Mm. That's that's a tough sell in year three. I know. Do, do you do you you don't really believe that like every single season is linear? And it's a it's a line graph that is going up every year, right? Like you don't actually believe that for every team, right? Um, like you you realize that players graduate at different times, do they? Like, yeah, like Hendon Hooker <laughs> leaves, you know, and then like they don't have Hendon Hooker anymore at Tennessee, so they're not going to be as good, right? You know but I, mean? uh, I didn't realize that like everybody wanted Hendon Hooker. I think I thought he was a just a cast off that nobody wanted, well, that, that got turned into a Heisman contender. I mean, I th I think that is also true. And now so, they signed who some people regard as the not not the number one quarterback, the number one player in the country. And did Tim Tebow the, start as a freshman on the level of you know all these other guys, Lawrence and Tua and all these? And they just, Lawrence didn't he, start as a true freshman until he, halfway through the season, and he just sits on the bench and we don't even see Tua him. didn't start as a true freshman. Tim Tebow didn't start as a true freshman. You can keep going. Vince Young didn't play as a true freshman. I bet none of those like, guys keep going. came and, and got on the team before a bowl game and then got a spring and then got a summer and they then all, got a fall all, camp. They, dude, are you, are, you, are you telling me that enrolling early is now the reason Nico Yamaleava should be a star right now as a true freshman I, on, I a he, on a team that's a bit clearly flawed? Are we, why are we back to Tennessee now? <laughs> I think he should be at least given looks. I think he is clearly a better thrower of the football and will run the offense better than Joe Milton. It does not mean he's better right now. And it doesn't mean you just end the season and like, just because he's not ready right now, doesn't mean he's not going to be right. Well, yeah, but I think you've got to play him against like Austin P and shit like that. Uh, great. I agree. They, but they don't, they're not playing him. <laughs> well, I think he should. I, they've, they, they've been in the middle of games with critical possessions. There's not been a lot of chances to play. Hmm. He also is. He also needs to eat a few pork chops. So, it's, it's hey, so okay. did Tyler Bray, man. He it's, could he could launch it, that thing. It's it's okay for a 17, 18 year old kid to need to put on like some grown s grown man SEC weight. It's okay for that to happen. So, um, no. See, Benjamin, I think it's the other way around. I think Mike is doing everything to just disagree with me. That's all he's doing. Like I, Alabama's likable. That's just my opinion. I I thought Tennessee showed me progress. Well. I expected them to get to play worse and they played better than I expected. I don't know. It's just my opinion. I think Missouri's really good. You think Missouri's really good? Do we agree? <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah, they're very good. Uh can they beat Georgia? Uh, I guess I guess if they play a perfect I think Georgia, game. I think Georgia's beatable. I agree. I don't it's know the, if it's Missouri though. Yeah. You're right. Tennessee, of course. Of course. I think it's Ole Miss. <laughs> Uh, Ole Miss, I heard you downplaying Ole Miss's win, man, by the way. I think that's a pretty decent win for Ole Miss. Like, not a good team they beat. Mm -mm. They didn't play a great game. But guess what happens in college football? You play 12 of them, and you don't mm -hmm. always play great. You don't always play perfect. And sometimes you have to survive dif difficult situations. 
they were up by two touchdowns in the final minutes of the game. They they had the game largely in hand. Jackson mm. Dart was Jackson Dart was brilliant. They ran the football very well, over 200 p- passing and rushing against a solid defense in a hostile environment. I, I, to me, that is Ole Miss doing what Ole Miss normally doesn't do, which is handle their business on the road and and do the job. They did they did the job last week. And it's it seems like a lot of Auburn people are saying, "What the hell are we doing?" It, it just it's you freeze in over his head. I mean, they're already they're already asking these questions, and yet we're supposed to turn around and say this number thirteen that was that was a hell of a win. They're we're ready to run off our coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah, yeah. A win's a win. Is particularly at night on the road in the SEC that should always be celebrated. But I just I just don't know what the hell to make of Ole Miss. And now they're they're getting the running game going. That that's that's critical to the whole thing. Um, if they can run on Georgia, they can beat Georgia. I don't think they can run on Georgia though. But right. I, I, think I, that's I don't think valid. I don't think they can run on these elite teams. They can they can run on Auburn. That's that's fantastic. They couldn't. Did do you it just call Alabama, Alabama elite? I think you just called Alabama elite. Is what I just their heard. their defense is certainly elite. Yeah, they can't um, run on these elite quote elite teams. AKA well, well, Alabama. It's the defenses, obviously, that they're running on. Uh, I don't think they could probably run on Tennessee. You know what I mean? Or 42 minutes, 36 seconds. I'm just time stamping it. So I pull it and I clip it, use it on social. Mike Bratton says, Bama elite. But again, and I don't, I don't think they're here's, here's one I think everybody's overlooking. Everybody's looking at Georgia. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on AM. They, I, it's a good test. I think they may beat them. I didn't think Tennessee was going to be able to run the ball on AM and they did. So AM is, Look, South Carolina is not going to beat AM, but AM could get beat by everybody else. So right. I, I would not be surprised to see I, Ole Miss. I just to me it's to me it's more about the timing for the Ole Miss game. It's about looking ahead to Tennessee the next week. It's about coming off the the Florida and Missouri games in back to back schedules. Like they're going to play Florida, Missouri. Two, I, I think Florida's going to play them pretty well this weekend. I, I don't know why. I can't explain it. I I, I think Georgia wins. I think Florida covers the 14 and a half. I think it is a dogfight, no pun intended. And I think it's physical. It's emotional. It's the way a Florida Georgia game should be. I, I think Graham Mertz is efficient enough to keep the ball and like stay. I hate the cliche, stay ahead of the sticks, you know, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to, they're going to take what the defense gives them all these stupid coaching cliches. They're not going to force it. And they're going to play Georgia into a long grinded out game. The way Tennessee probably tried to play with Alabama last week. And I think it's going to work. And I don't know if Georgia can make the big X play the way Alabama and Jalen Milrow did last week. I think Georgia wins. But then they play Missouri in what's going to be the same kind of game, right? Like another physical, really high-intensity, emotional showdown. And then you look ahead to Tennessee, and all of a sudden you got Ole Miss in the middle. I just think it's a tough – this is the toughest stretch of Georgia's schedule, these four games. And so I want to see what the compounding effect has on them without their best player, first-year quarterback – Let's see what that looks like when you have to go back to back to back to back against four pretty good teams. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Without Brock Bowers, too. Yeah. So are you with me on the Florida game? Are you with me with Florida playing? playing, I think they're going to play very well in this game. No, not at all. Really? Why not? No, because I mean, they beat they barely beat South Carolina, who's just awful. So, no, I mean, I'm not saying that's on the road where Billy is great. So, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, we're it's hilarious. We we fire Billy Napier one week, then we crown him the next. You know what I mean? So this is he he was crowned last game. He'll he'll get fired after this one, and then and then we'll crown him. Who else do they got to play? You know, let's see some dirtbag Arkansas. We'll crown him for beating Arkansas. We'll fire him for losing LSU uh, at Missouri. That's a road game. That's a loss. And then Florida State. Close loss, so we'll crown them again. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what we're going to do with Billy Napier here in the next. Hey, the Missouri Florida game is maybe the weirdest game in the entire conference. I think Missouri won in Gainesville with like 119 yards of offense one year. <laughs> like, like I, it, it was it was worse. It was a worse <laughs> offensive performance than Arkansas and Mississippi State. So I I just think that I think that that they will. They're not there personnel wise, obviously, with Georgia. They're not ready to to compete with Georgia. But can you get up for a rivalry game with a bye week and a quarterback that's playing really efficient football, a couple of playmakers in space? I I, I think they are going to. It'll be the best they can do. Is basically what I'm <laughs> is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I, I hear you. That, that's, a, that's a wild. I mean, all these Missouri games are interesting to me well, as they close out the season. Well, I mean, they're, 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 all, they're all winnable and they're all losable. They're, they're a team that's fighting for a division championship. I think that makes everything they do interesting. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mississippi State, Auburn. I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about with some of these games. Ten- we can get to Tennessee, Kentucky, because Tennessee has traditionally owned this game. Uh, quickly on the Arkansas thing, uh, seven to three. I mean, I don't even know what to say other than like any. I've, I heard a few people asking questions, and I think somebody asked a question in the press conference as well after the game about KJ Jefferson. And I just want to be like, the only thing you don't need to ask questions about at Arkansas is the quarterback. That's it. He's the only one you don't have to ask a question about. So if you, somebody's asking questions about KJ Jefferson, like th- do, do better and pick a better question because that's the one guy you don't have to ask questions about. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, I thought See? it was pr- pretty revealing that Sam Pittman, you know, basically it said we're like, we're lifeless. There's no energy. So yeah. that's bad. It's a bad sign uh, when it's his job to keep the energy up. Right. Right. So, so. If they have some energy, can they win? I think they can win some of these games, but I've kind of been saying that all year and it's not happened. But it, it's wild that the same team that that basically pushed Bama to the limit, that pushed LSU to the limit, was the same team we saw score three points against yeah. Mississippi. I, I don't, I can't it, put, it, wrap it, my head around it. When the coach, and the, this is where you kind of get killed if you say the honest thing. If you come out and say, like, we just don't have energy, well, that that's the one thing that it's your job. I mean, your, your job as the head coach is to get a team up, to get them motivated, to get them focused, to have them confident in their game plan. And that's sort of something you have to do every day, like all the time. It's not just like a, a big pregame speech. It's something you have to instill as the process, right, that Saban does. So that's a concern when he says that, because that is a direct indictment of himself. And I, I appreciate that about Sam Pittman. I'm not going to hammer him for it. Uh, but that was a pretty pathetic showing. One of the worst. I think it's the worst since the three-two game, right? Um, fewest points scored in an SEC win since the uh, Mississippi State Auburn three-two game uh, from whatever it was, twelve years ago. I think ten years ago, eleven years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mississippi State at Auburn, uh, like avert your eyes, I guess. Not safe for work. I don't know. Put a label on it. X-rated. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what to say about that one. Um, somebody but needs. I, I, mean, I would say the winner though is not not guaranteed, but going to take a huge step towards uh, making a bowl game I sure mean, there's, there's a lot on the line for the for both of them i know you probably hate this but like the only reason i care about getting to bowl eligibility is practice you get you get about 15 extra practices for your young players yeah. uh, and and a trip and a trip during the the winter winter months that's fun that's that's cool too well and um, i think bo- both coaching staffs that that's vitally important for both of these guys yeah, yeah no i it is for 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 both those teams, year one, to have the extra month of practice, to have the extra time to recruit, to have the things that you can sell to your players, to build energy and momentum, I completely agree. What actually happens in the, the bowl game is irrelevant to your program long term, but it is it is critical to have it. So I agree. It's a big game for both teams. And listen, Mississippi, I guess the one piece of context that's important is that Will Rogers didn't play, I guess. So that's important to note. I don't, you know, you've been begging for Mike Wright. You thought Mike Wright should have been the starter from the beginning. So I guess you got your wish, and they scored a whole seven points. So, I, I know you hate bowl games and all that. You just hate college football. But let me ask you this: if uh, if you missed a bowl, let's say you yeah. went five and seven, but would you rather that, or would you rather be six and six and just get completely hammered in the bowl game, and, and it, or five and seven, but you win your last game, you know, regular season, what have you, you or you get six and six and you just get obliterated in the bowl game and the fans have to live with that for nine months. Which, which one do you think is better? Well, if you're asking me, are fans smart and rational and which one's be- or which one's best for the program? Because fans are not smart and rational. It's not short for logical or rational. Fan is short for fanatic. Um, so I don't expect fans to, to take that hat off and look at the result of the Poulan Weed Eater Bowl in context of what's important, which means nothing for your program moving forward at all. Again, the fact that your freshman and sophomore players got 15 extra practices and you got to be around your team and your coaching staff for an extra two months and that you get to sell that trip to recruits is what actually matters to the development of your program long-term. Whether or not you beat Air Force in the Liberty Bowl 
means absolutely nothing long-term for the success or failure of your program. And we have science to back it up. There is no data that indicates winning your bowl game or losing your bowl game indicates future success or failure. There's no, there's no data that backs it up. So the, mm. getting to the bowl game is vastly more important. If I'm the coach, I'd rather get blown out in a bowl game than go five and seven. Were you referencing Missouri there? Cause I think haven't they, they lost to like air force and great. They've, they've lost to a couple of these I mean, bowl games. Not great, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's what, that's the point. It's set up the success of this year. It, that's got, exactly, that's they, exactly right. Cause that's they got exactly their practices right. in. Although Brady Cook wasn't practicing, I don't think, because of the injury. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, Tennessee, Kentucky. Let's talk. Let's talk about this one. Tennessee has dominated this rivalry. Um, they've been in, the games in Kentucky have been very interesting and fun. And uh, look, <laughs> which quarterback can hit a barn with a football? I, I don't know. I, neither one of these guys is particularly accurate right now. Tennessee's the better football team, but Kentucky's at home. I was a little surprised at the number. Tennessee being favored by three and a half on the road was. Seems a little like that. I feel like this is more of a pick 'em, but um, Tennessee's the better team. I think throughout the course of the year, Tennessee has shown that they're the better team. That's all I was getting at with their performance against Bama, is that 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 Tennessee and Kentucky's two biggest tests of the year. Tennessee played like a basically even matchup with one of them, and Kentucky pooped on themselves. So I, if you're trying to go A plus B equals C, Tennessee's the better team. Better line yeah. scrimmage. Uh, and I'm trying to, I'm looking it up. Sorry. I, I, I swear I'm paying attention to what you're saying. Sure, but, sure you uh, what, one thing I'll have my eye on here, Braden is, uh, two years ago when it was, it was in Lexington, 45, 42, Tennessee one. Was uh, that like 46 minutes time of possession for 10, for, uh, for Kentucky, yeah. something like so that? Tennessee scored. It took them one play, 75 yards, 11 seconds. Uh, the next possession, three plays, 75 yards. It took 26 seconds. Uh, there was an, another field goal, took 16 seconds. That was right before half. Another touchdown drive took 45 seconds. But really, the, the right out the gate is, is kind of what I'm referencing. Last year, it was five plays, 75 yards, a minute 27. So clearly, Josh Heupel has got something figured out about Mark Stoops and that defense. And I, I, I think that'll be really interesting because it's not going to – be this simplistic, but if if Kentucky can can shut down Tennessee in the first first quarter, I th I think they win handily in this game. You're saying if they're in the game, if they don't give up a couple of big plays early, yeah, they're in the game. Uh, a couple of you guys in the comments have said this: Kentucky coming off the bye, UT. Where are you emotionally and mentally? I think is important. This is a test. This is this is a huge test for Josh Heupel's control of the of the locker room. Not like from a culture standpoint, but like mentally. Your job is just as much a motivator. We just were talking about this with Sam Pittman. So I assume the same reason I like Florida to play well. I think teams coming off, you know, extra time to prepare for a rivalry game is important for Kentucky. They've got a pretty good defensive line, which I think will hold up well-ish against the Tennessee running attack. I just don't, there's nothing about Devin Leary, unfortunately for, for Kentucky. And this is probably one of the things I've been most wrong about the entire season. I love the play calling. I like the weapons. The offensive line's better. All that's true. The quarterback hasn't been able to make it all go. Mm -hmm. And so if you can't, I mean, say what you want about Jalen Milrow, but the dude makes plays. He makes big plays all every game. And Devin Leary hasn't made a big play the entire season. So he's going to have to hit on something down the field. Like they can't line up with Ray Davis and try to beat that Tennessee defensive line. I don't think, I don't think. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm kind of curious. Um, about the crowd too. I mean, I'm sure. I think this is a big enough game for Kentucky fans that they'll show up. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's a running joke, but I, it's kind of true. You know, it's basketball season already. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think I, Kentucky fans are are too spoiled. Well, I I think especially if they lose this game, it's basketball season. You know what I mean? But because this is that. a rivalry, I think they'll show up. But I, I don't know. Two two bad losses. One at home. Yeah. So I, th I think that is, could it, it's not going to be a Tennessee takeover by any means because, but I, I'm just kind of curious about the crowd and how, how, because they, Kentucky has, has beaten some really good teams up there, yeah. but it's taken a, a great performance by the crowd too. So I don't know that that's in the back of my mind as well. 
There, I, I hope it's a great game. I hope the crowd is good for Kentucky. Um, there's very few uh, uniform games in the SEC that are better than Kentucky and Tennessee. Like the two uniforms just look so good on a football field. I, you know, better on grass than on fake turf that alternates colors. But whatever. I, I think, I, I think Kentucky Tennessee on the same field looks great. It's just a great looking. It's like Florida and Tennessee. That's why it looks great uh, on a stadium. Uh, Lexington's a great place to go hang out, drink some bourbon. So uh, I hope it's, a, I hope it's a crazy crowd. I think can, Kentucky's going to play well, but I think Tennessee wins. Can Kentucky have any? Can this season be defined as a success by any metric if Kentucky loses this game? I mean, you have, you have to tell me what their final record is. I mean, I don't think it cares or matters, does it? I mean, beat the shit out of Florida. Right. I mean, so if you beat South Carolina, if you beat Mississippi State, Florida's South not Carolina, even, Florida's not even ranked. See, this so you, is where this is where you can't you can't go into like these extremes because that's not where the world the world doesn't live in the extremes, dude. So like, we're if you want to live on a message board, and if you want to live on a message board, we go got live our on a ass kicked board. by Georgia, Missouri. Let's say Tennessee kicks our ass. Bama's going to kick our ass. Go go post on a message board, dude. I mean, what like, what are we doing here? What what if they lose to Louisville too? So that I, I you lose to Tennessee, uh-huh. if you and you lose to Bama. If you go eight and four with wins over rival Florida and rival Louisville, I don't know how that's not considered a successful season for Kentucky. I don't know I, that that would be a not not great in my you, opinion. You know that they were like two and ten, like three straight years, right? like t- twenty years ago, right? Are we just going to keep? Going back to that, we were, do, we were back you really, 20 years ago. Who cares? So, so according to your scheme and plan for every program in, in the SEC and everywhere in college football, they just all should be winning the national championship in the third year? Like every every team third is like year. No, he's been there for 11. No, no, no. We, he's got to do something. We are spending money in I, NIL. I, I'm not going to spend more time on this show debating Mark Stoops because you're just – the greatest coach in Kentucky history with multiple 10-win seasons, something that no one has ever accomplished in modern Kentucky history. This is the same argument with Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Not a, a good C, coach at C-plus coach, though. Not a good coach at Florida, but Dan Mullen is the most successful coach in the history of Mississippi State football, and you have to base it on expectations for Mississippi State. You cannot put Georgia expectations on Kentucky. You just can't. You can't. You can't put Alabama expectations on Ole Miss. You can't do it. It's not real life. It's divorced from reality. You can't do it. So multiple 10-win seasons, churning out first-round draft picks, developing All-Americans, competing week in and week out against the best teams in the SEC, that is a reasonable expectation for Kentucky. Winning, winning 11 games and winning the SEC East has never been done before. Well, he's the best of all time. You just said it. <laughs> he's got to do it at some point, doesn't he? No. That's not what Kentucky is. I don't like. Why don't not? You, why, why should they have their bar so low? It's not low. The fact that the fans could be upset with eight and four tells you that the bar has been raised significantly. But like, there's a reason that no team. Right. There's, but a, reason, going, there's a reason how, only like 16 teams have won the national championship over the last 30 years. But so. we're saying we're just looking at it as eight wins, but that's Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron. Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, which has Mississippi State has essentially got an interim coach. Uh, South Carolina, I mean, their coach is blaming everybody. He'll blame anybody and everybody. And Louisville, and that that's a big (laughs) if because aren't they playing? I don't know anything. Louisville's good. Louisville's good. So I'm not even saying they're like like if year one Louisville guy beats you and you're in year eleven. It's so people are in the comments. It's it's not about lowering expectations. It's about understanding like what a roster looks like and what our expectations for a program like th- there are there are teams in college football and in the sec that have hundred thousand seat stadiums unlimited resources deep pockets it, and they're the reason they have won all the championships it doesn't mean that like in the and this is where the 12 team playoff matters so much is to matt corral ole miss is to bobby petrino arkansas is to 10 and 2 kentucky like i truly don't i missouri's best teams ever won the East on like a fluke, basically. And I, we're going to learn this year that Missouri is probably at its best a 10-2 and two team. And because you cannot compete with teams that have first-round picks at every position. That, that's never been done in college football. It's, I don't think it's fair to ask people to do that and do the thing that's never been done. 
But in a 12-team playoff, those 10-2 and two teams get to go show it on the field to other teams from other conferences. And that's where I think that there's value and success. And you can raise the bar based on that. I, I think asking a guy who recruits sixth in the SEC East every year to beat the team that recruits number one in the country every year, I don't think that's reasonable. I think that's ridiculous. Hmm. Well, they they got the best quarterback out of the portal by many regards. Many people no, said that. Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman was the best. Um, well, all right, number two then. Uh, they got Ray Davis, who I had <laughs> on my all SEC ballot because I thought he was elite. And I think he's proven that. They got the best defensive coordinator right now in the SEC. And we're sitting here saying, well, they might they finish strong, eight and four. All right. I back up on the fluke 2013. I back it up. You guys are <laughs> correcting me. I apologize. I apologize. James. <laughs> James Franklin, the quarterback, not the coach. I, I apologize, but but continue, Mike. I apologize. I just uh, I don't know. I I just think I think we got to we got to see something here. I I think the see something here is insulting to what he's accomplished, and I'm tired. I'm tired of arguing about Mark Stoops with you on the program. <laughs> I'm tired of it because now like Tennessee, Josh Heupel, same thing with Jimbo Fisher, Texas A and M. That's not good enough at Texas A and M. The $100 million contract and $600, $700 million facility upgrade and recruiting in the top five, it's about the players. If you have top five talent, you need to coach them to be a top five team. And asking South Carolina and Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Mississippi State and these programs to have top five talent is irrational. It's not possible. So Mark Stoops to Texas A&M, he, he'll win. Which is what's so funny about this. He'll win is, nine games annually and never <laughs> never achieve anything of what, much significance. What's so funny about your argument is if you ever actually just said to me, I don't think Mark Stoops can win a championship at a big-time program, I would agree with you. And I would say that's where he tops out. Like, I agree with you. I don't think he's an elite coach who can go to Alabama and win national championships. But I think it takes a different type of person to get a Kentucky to where they are today, a different type of coach. Like, that's why I think Lance Leipold at Kansas is an, an elite. He's a great coach. I don't think he would be able to recruit in the SEC at Texas A&M. And I think mm -hmm. it takes a different type of guy. It takes a different type of recruiting who's assassin. Who, who's, who, who's this assassin? Because isn't there, Jimbo there one of those none. guys? There are none. Jimbo's a good, a good recruiter. Yeah, there are none. There are none. There's, There's no there, candidates for AM. We don't know. No. Who's the guy? Go, tell me who's the guy who's going to automatically that, be. That, that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> well, it's a two. It's a conversation, Mike. Oh. I, I don't. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't. Any of the top can Mike Elko at Duke. I, I don't know if he can recruit at the highest level. I don't know. I think he's a really good defensive coach. I think he's clearly showing he can develop guys at Duke. Mm -hmm. Lance Leipold at Kansas is really good. Chris Kleiman at Kansas State is really good. Like, there's a lot of really good coaches. What about Washington, Washington coach? Level. Can we get him at A&M? Kalen DeBoer is a very good offensive-minded coach. Perfect. Let's get they him. almost they just they just needed a defensive touchdown to beat a really bad Arizona State team. What's what's he making? Probably like four million a year. We we can give him that a a, a quarter of the season. I don't know. That Big Ten money is going to be very different than the Pac-12 money. So Washington Washington's a pretty good job. I, I also, by the way, I think the, the didn't Jimbo try to hire the Washington offensive coordinator this offseason? And the coordinator, <laughs> yeah. the coordinator was like, fuck you. <laughs> Who's the coach at Air Force? He's doing good. Can we get him? <laughs> He's been there 18 years. <laughs> it's time. Troy, it's time. Troy Calhoun's been there 18 <laughs> years. Oh, man. All right. Um, I guess we don't need to talk about the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game, although that is a weird game. That weird stuff happens in that game a lot. So, okay. Yes, Andrew, exactly right. Billy Napier does not make $7 million a year to lose to Kentucky because Florida is a better program than Kentucky. It should beat Kentucky more times than not, which means you shouldn't lose to Kentucky. Hmm. Bo doesn't think Jimbo's getting fired. Is he getting fired? What 78, if, $78 million buyout this year, $67 million buyout next year. What if he loses to, to South Carolina? South Carolina. There we go. Um... I think he beats well. They're a fourteen half point favorite. They'll win this. I don't think they lose this weekend. But well, I'm saying, knows. what if? What if? Let's I, let's let's give not, South Carolina the win. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility in the state of Texas. It's like Florida. Yeah, you can't ever put nothing is in stone, except for the Alamo. I guess it's in stone. Um, nothing <laughs> you can't you can't you just there's there's oil money everywhere, and if they want to make it up and spend their own money, fine. But I don't. There's no way to predict it. I mean, $78 million. 
I think that's Gus what, was. That's what we do here. We predict things, sir. No, I'm not in the prediction business. I think Gus is. Uh, I think Gus's buyout at Auburn was the biggest buyout ever, like 24 million. 78 would set a new record. Talk about raising the bar. We can top it. We can top it. 67. If if he coaches all of next year, next season, one more whole season, the buyout is 67 million dollars. Yeah, so you might as well just do it now. I, what's the difference in 67 and 79? Nothing. The year after that, $58 million buyout. We got to fire Bjork as well, right? Well, he didn't hire him and he didn't write the contract, so I don't know. I, I agree with you. I tend to clean slate as I tend to be how I go with things. But I don't think uh, he, I, he didn't write that contract for, for Jimbo. So that might be his get out of jail free card, maybe. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. I think that does it. You've annoyed me enough today, but I do appreciate hanging out with you. (laughs) I know know that's your goal every week on the show. So, yep. And my job is to annoy all the commenters and all the great listeners. So uh, (laughs) thank you guys all for hanging out. Uh, Make sure you check out uh, the YouTube page, 440 sports. We got sec previews over there. Uh, The podcast, everywhere you get your podcast, sec football live, tell somebody about it. Uh, And uh, appreciate you guys hanging out and listening with us. For, uh, for Mike Braddon, I am Braden Gall. Thanks for hanging out. Mike, enjoy the weekend, my man. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.